0: Good evening and welcome to our weekly Bible study and if you have your Bibles please turn with me to Job chapter 1 and we're going to read through from verse 6 through to verse 12 and the title for this really is that the the scene moves to heaven so it's verse 6 of Job chapter 1 One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going to and fro on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you face to face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, and everything he has is in your hands. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask now that you just help us to understand here in this passage the things that you would have us understand, that we might see the things that you want us to see. Our Father, we are very well aware that we will not understand all these things, but our Father, we pray that you will just teach us and lead us in the direction you would have us go. We ask your blessing upon us now as we gather together around your word and we gather here in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, with this uh, section, now we have a glimpse of the supernatural. The curtain is drawn back from heaven as we observe something that Job never got to know about. He is completely ignorant of what we are about to see. Now, This is an important event that will have a devastating effect on the life of Job. An event that will not be revealed to him before, during or after his great ordeal. You know, it is important that he doesn't know why he is suffering. He's not given a definitive answer to why he had to suffer. But we, the readers of the book, will get a glimpse of what is happening behind the scenes. Things that will help us understand why these things are revealed to us and not to Joe. We very often hear the phrase, it's on a need-to-know basis and you don't need to know. And on those occasions, not knowing is for the benefit and for the protection of the people who do not need to know. Although Job is seen as the main character, we will have to look out for the importance of what is happening, not only to Job on earth, but what is happening at the same time in heaven. So first of all, it is not Job who is being accused. It is God who is being accused. Secondly, the accuser is Satan. Thirdly, we are not the only observers. Job's three friends, or four friends as it turns out, are not the only observers. Because fourthly, what happens will have repercussions on earth and in heaven. So let's just have a look at uh, these verses together. So verse 6 of Job 1. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. So the first thing here is that we have the reference to the angels, and this tells us of their existence. Now we already know, but sometimes we tend to not realize just how important this is. You see, the angel Gabriel is mentioned by name in the books of Daniel and Luke. We go to Genesis chapter 19. We have angels at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Genesis 28. We have angels ascending and descending on Jacob's ladder. The psalmist in Psalm 148 verse 2 says this. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Angels revealed the birth of Jesus. And then they announced his birth to the shepherds. We go to Luke So we're going now to the New Testament, Luke 2, verse 13 to 14. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and I have peace to those on whom his favour rests. Matthew 6, verse 6. Here we have the reference to angels who were there during the temptation of Jesus. We read this. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus didn't call upon them, but they were there. There are angels at the empty tomb of the risen Christ. Luke 24 verse 23. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. So the angels were there to proclaim the risen Lord. The archangel Michael is referred to in Jude. Jude chapter 1 verse 9. We read this. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. And we can go to the Apostle John on the island of Patmos, where he's given a glimpse into heaven, where he tells us in the book of Revelation of the ongoing heavenly activity and of the importance of the angels. Then, now and on into the future. Then we see the second verse, the second thing that's revealed to us in this verse that we're looking at, is that we are told that the angels came and presented themselves before the Lord. You know, we only know what we are told. And that is that God has summoned the angels to stand before him. And what can we learn from this? Well, this tells us that the Lord is in control. We see here the absolute sovereignty of God and we see it being demonstrated here. Firstly, in the fact that he had the power to call them to him. This is a vital point that we need to keep in mind as we go through this book of Job the fact that God is in control we see the sovereignty of God being demonstrated now thirdly in that verse we are told that Satan was there this reminds us that Satan is still at large the name Satan means adversary he is an opponent here's some questions I know you will know the answers to. Who was in the garden with Adam and Eve? Satan. Who tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness? Satan. What did Jesus say to Simon Peter in Luke chapter 22? And we read it verse 31 through to 34. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the cock crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. You know, this was a very traumatic experience for Peter. But Peter learned from it. And then Peter shared the benefit of that experience. As he warns us, listen to what we read in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 to 11. speaking to us here. Be alert and be sober. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him the words of peter let's just have a look at the words of paul in what he said to the church at ephesus this is Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 and again we know this verse well for the struggle for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms let's listen to the words of jesus and hear what he said to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, Satan is active today ephesians 2 verse 1 and 12. as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient we're going to see this as we listen to what is being said. As we do, we must remember that he is a defeated enemy and we can praise God for that. John 12, verse 31. At a time when Jesus predicted his death, then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said, it had thundered. Others said, An angel had spoken to him, and Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. You know, when Jesus died... Satan thought that he had the victory. When Jesus rose from the dead, he knew that he had been defeated. He is still at large, but he is a defeated enemy. Keep this in mind as we continue in the book of Job in verse 7 of chapter 1. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going to and fro on it. God speaks he asks Satan a question now this is the all knowing omniscient God who knows everything so he knows the answer but he starts the conversation and asks where have you come from and Satan tells God that he has been roaming through the earth this is an evasive answer he put it into, Or to put it into the vernacular, the, the answer is, when God asked him, where has he come from? It's as though he said, oh, you know, in and there, doing this and that. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, I have been seeking whom I may devour. But God knows his methods of deception. Remember, God is in control. So we come to verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. God is asking Satan whether he has considered Job, knowing full well that he has. And God knows that Satan has seen a man, a man who is genuinely blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. Notice also in those verses, the Lord calls Job his servant. Now, this is an important thing to consider because this is a title given to other Old Testament people. Those who are real believers in the Lord, such as, Moses, and Abraham. Satan sees this conversation as an opportunity to draw God in so that he can accuse him of buying Job's loyalty by giving him earthly possessions. Remember he tried to deceive Eve and she was drawn into his deception. You know, we have to stop and just think of something here we do not win god's favor by living what might be called a good and religious life it's not about what we can do to please god it's not about what we can do for god What Satan is saying is that Job's motives for serving God are based only on the material things that God is giving to him. at this point, it's good for us to turn to the words of Jesus so that we do not lose sight of the real gospel. It's not us doing things for God in order to earn his blessing It is about us being blessed by God when we come to Him in faith, knowing that we were undeserving sinners in His sight and knowing that it's not a promise of material material and a prosperous life that He offers us, but it is forgiveness, acceptance and a promise of an eternal home with Him. Listen to what Jesus said. This is in Luke chapter nine, verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross daily and follow me. You see, Job is a true believer who through the very difficult times ahead of him will continue to be a faithful follower of the Lord. But here, as we come to the next part of our passage, we have Satan's accusation against God. Let's read verse 9 and 10. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the works of his hands, so that his flocks and herds spread throughout the land You see, Satan, the father of lies, is telling a half truth with a deceptive implication, a false interpretation of the truth as he makes an unfounded accusation against God. Yes, it is true that God has blessed Job. The false interpretation is that this is the only reason that Job is faithful to God. The accusation is that God is doing this to keep Job faithful. The implication is, if God takes these things away from Job, then Job will desert God. Satan, in the confidence that he has, that he will be successful with this challenge that he presents to God, in Job verse 11 of chapter 1, He says to God, listen to this, but now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Things to notice here is that Satan is sure that he knows the outcome of God removing the material blessings from Job. Satan's aim is to see God cursed by Job, to show that Job is only being faithful to God because of what he can get out of God, verse twelve, the Lord said to Satan, "Very well, then everything he has in your power, pa- everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger and Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now the main point to notice here is that Satan has no power to do this he has to seek God's permission, confirming to us that God is in control. And as well as giving Satan permission, God also has the authority to set the limits, to restrict the influence that Satan can have over Job. I said that what is happening here has great implications on what is happening in heaven. The Apostle Paul confirms this to us in his letter to the church at ephesus Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 to 11 his so this is god god's intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of god should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in christ jesus our lord this links Job's suffering to the sufferings of Jesus. And it links us to the truth that Christians have suffered, they do suffer, and they always will suffer until the final day of the Lord. As a Christian, how important do you, you and I see the things that are happening in our lives today? Is it that they are only about us? Well, the answer is no. It is not just about us. You see, we have the privilege of being part of something much bigger. As Paul said, that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known, who too? To the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. We are part of what, is hap- what has happened in the past. What is happening now and what will happen in the future. Happening both here and in heaven. As we draw to a close this evening, and there's a lot here for us to think about. I just want to share with you this thought from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 to 12. And it's concerning us, it's concerning how we stand before God. He says, concerning this salvation... The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. You know, that's a a very deep passage for us to think about. It's concerning our salvation. That people prior to the death and resurrection of Jesus searched intently into these things. And what was revealed to them was that they weren't serving themselves, but they were serving us as the prophets. And even the angels longed to look into these things. You know, how can we expect to understand completely the wisdom of God when even the prophets and the angels long to understand God's grace towards us Guilty but forgiven sinners. So, as we continue through the book of Job, we can understand and apply the things that the Lord is teaching us through His Word and by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we will not understand everything. We will still have many questions that won't be answered. And you know, that is because the journey is not over. Listen to the words of Paul when he wrote to Corinthians 2, Corinthians 12, verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. You know, that is a verse for us in our day as it was for Paul in his day. In the meantime, we'll continue our adventure into the book of Job. We're going to see what happens when the scene moves now from heaven back to earth. Shall we pray? Father, we do thank you for this book of Job, and as we've had that glimpse into heaven, there'll be many questions we might want to explore and find answers to, but we know that the answers are not really there because we don't need to know them what we really need to know is that you are in control you are the God who gave his son that he might die in our stead that we might know you not through what we do or what we achieve but through what he did when he died on the cross and Father, we ask that you just uh, will continue to lead us through this, this book of Job, that we might see the real meaning here, that we might be encouraged and by, by, by the things that you are showing us as we look at it together, not with our own understanding, but by the guidance of your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.